Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. I am not the Reverend Chester Hines. I know, this is a disappointment that we do not get to hear his wisdom and inspiration. He is sick with COVID. He's okay, he's okay. It hasn't impacted him any worse than a bad cold, so he says. So let's continue to keep him and Elizabeth in our prayers, she got it too for good health and a negative COVID test very soon. And Mike is away in El Salvador leading uh, the board meeting there. He's president of the board for Christus All. I recall Chester saying last year in a sermon that black history shouldn't be set aside in a month, but should be taught all the time and benefited from every day because this is the reality, that black history is American history. And I'm happy that here at Holy Communion Church, we will benefit from a sermon from Chester Hines, not only when he recovers, but can count on hearing his words throughout our life as a community of faith. And we can all continue to bring Christ's beloved community into reality when black history and indigenous people's history and Latinx history, and women's history, and Asian history, and LBGTQ plus history is just all knit together, being taught and honored as simply what it is, American history. Wouldn't that be just so awesome? Can I get an awesome? awesome. <laughs> Peter, James, and John knew something about awesomeness. They were on the mountaintop with Jesus. Just Jesus had changed before them into a bright light. And they saw the great prophet Elijah and the great leader Moses standing with him. Now, I'm not going to try to explain this to you. Matthew is recounting this as what happened to these four people. They saw Jesus transform and were filled with such awe and wonder they fell down to the ground. Peter, in this state of awe and wonder, reacts, saying, we must enshrine this moment. We'll build a shrine for Elijah, for Moses, for you. Somehow, we interpret Peter's response as off the mark. Once again, he doesn't get it. When he was only doing what tradition had taught him. When God's presence is revealed, you build a shrine. Don't we all do this all the time? Every time something absolutely stunning that blows us away as awesome, we get out our phones, take a picture, record it, post it, we enshrine it. Or in my case, I want to make it a yearly tradition. My husband and son have noted 
my habit of when we have a spectacular hike or wonderful perfect meal at a restaurant, I respond to the joy of the moment with, let's do this every year. Or let's make this our new tradition. They smile at each other and respond, or mom, we could try that new place next time, or go take another hike in another part of the country next year. My intention is about acknowledging the special moment that adds up to more than the sum of its parts by returning to the spot to see what happens to us in bringing our year older selves to a known spot, and so hopefully go deeper into the experience. What new thing will we see now that we're different from last year? Traditions can contribute to our growth. Sometimes it helps to return to a known, a known with a different self, who's been imprinted with a year's worth of new experiences. So Peter reaches from his tradition, knowing this was an encounter with God, knowing it was important. But this state of awe was so unsettling, mind-blowing, that he reaches back to put it in a known category, to place it, to place it in a container he knows to get out of the present moment of mind-blowing vision and into the comfort of known tradition. So in his book, Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life by Dr. Keltner, new book, I recommend it. He writes, awe is the emotion we experience when we encounter vast mysteries that we don't understand. But just as Peter utters the idea of shrines, a voice from God is heard to say, this is my son whom I dearly love. I am pleased with him. Listen to him. And in that instance, the traditional response is interrupted. The three disciples were given guidance on what to do with this mysterious experience they can't understand. Listen. Listen to him. Jesus is a new thing. He doesn't fit into the shrines of Moses and Elijah. It's the voice of God that sends them to the ground in overwhelm. And then it's all quiet. And Jesus touches them. Get up. Don't be afraid. Listen to him. Listen to this vision. And then they went down the mountain, silenced by the wonder. That's what true awe really does. It shakes us loose from our everyday assumptions and old ways of thinking. 
we're silenced. No words, no thoughts to describe because there's nothing to compare it to. No categories to put it in. This moment on the mountain, seeing Jesus transformed, hearing God's voice, was a gift, of course. Because the disciples would need this experience as they truly had to listen to Jesus all the way down the mountain and into Jerusalem and to the crucifixion. Jesus was a new thing, and there was no going back or enshrinement, and the disciples were being guided through this vast mystery they couldn't understand with the command, listen. This month, I've been in a group through Virginia Seminary, and we're reading a book called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. And I recommend it as the next great read if you've gone through the Sacred Ground curriculum especially. In this book, Tisby is tracing the complicity and support of the enslavement of people by, the, by American Christianity. And we find out there's really no compromise, it's all rationalization. They enshrine, had enshrined their European lifestyle as superior and formed and deformed Christ to fit into it, thus making the European world superior to Christ, with the result of reading scripture to justify their superiority, justify slavery. Their certainty became righteous and completely death to Jesus. Certainty has no wonder in it. This is where our yearning for certainty and safety can take us where our traditions and our shrines can calcify. When we're too quick to make shrines and make things fit into what we know, what makes and keeps us on top, in power, we like it to be the same because we like to know. We want to live in the zone of security, of certainty, rather than awe and wonder, which can make us feel small and confused. But ironically, it's awe that takes us out of the flight or fight zone. Dr. Keltner writes further of the science that recent scientific findings of the mental state of wonder is that a whole different part of the brain is activated. It takes us out of that, literally, and we create, it creates wonder, he says, creates a state of openness, questioning, curiosity, and embracing mystery, arising out of experiences of awe. This finding would suggest that when we experience awe, regions of the brain that are associated with the excesses of the ego, 
including self-criticism, anxiety, even depression. Quiet down. Shrines can be helpful to us, but remember, it's us who are making the shrines, not God. Shrines can be also a hazard for us trying to be church. Shrines can remind us where we met God, and they can open us to the awe rather than close us into, into a certainty when they open our ears to listen to him. This Wednesday, we began Lent with the ritual of a blessing made of ash. There's a cross made of ash put on our foreheads. And now I'm like thinking, oh, it's like we fell on the ground on our faces, huh? Lent means spring, a time for new things, for wonder and awe of life springing from seemingly nothing, dirt. It's a time to tear down the shrines we've built to create certainty and learn to live in the mystery of God's love for us, to practice wondering to walk around in awe, feeling small, confused even, but awesome. So I'll leave you with this poem from the medieval Indian mystic poet Tukaram. Certainty undermines one's power and turns happiness into a long shot. Certainty confines Dears, there is nothing in your life that will not change, especially all your ideas of God. Look what the insanity of righteous knowledge can do. Crusade and maim thousands in wanting to convert that which is already gold into gold. Certainty can become an illness that creates hate and greed. God once said to Tuka, even I am ever-changing. I am ever beyond myself. What I may have once put my seal upon may no longer be the greatest truth. I wonder what awesome new thing God has prepared for you this Lent. I wonder what shrines need to be left unbuilt so that the new reality that is always at work might transform us. Amen.